1: I'm going to share two testimonies today that I have permission to share with you. On Wednesday night, we have what is known as something more around here. It starts at 7, ends about 8.30, quarter to 9. First 30 minutes, we all meet in here. We praise the Lord. We share and pass the microphone around. We're just giving God glory. Then we break up. The women go to a class with Carol called Wade. They sit around a big table and eat and talk and share and cry and pray and laugh and study God's word. And, and I'm not even there. I'm just on the other side of the wall then we have another group of guys we meet called lifeguards and then there's another group that's praying very faithfully for an hour just praying for you for the church for our missionaries this last week at the end generally how I end our session is we go around the room and uh, I ask each guy to tell me what are you taking home from what you're getting today I'm amazed at what I heard one of the newer guys that has just come into this study with us which I'm so excited I'm excited about everybody but this guy I'm really watching that he's taking you know big steps for God you know things are happening He now comes along, articulates incredibly well, and he says, no guile in him, very serious guy, very serious guy. He says, I've been uh, hanging around some of my guys from high school, we went to high school with, and we're all kind of lamenting the fact that when we were in high school, we really didn't apply ourselves very much. We didn't pay attention a lot, and now we're like in our 20s, upper 20s, and we look back over that and we think, man, if we only uh, listened and paid attention and grabbed that truth when we were in high school... And lived it till the age we are right now. How different our life would be today. And then he says, and that's why I'm here. Because I don't want to say ten years from now that I wish I applied myself here tonight. So he's grabbing it. And I got thinking, what a commentary on our life that we would now all say. I don't want to waste the Bible teaching we get on Sunday. I don't want to waste the Bible times we get together in connection groups. I want, to, I want to get it. I want to get it so much. I want to be so excited about this because it's truth. It's life-giving. It's I'm knowing God like I've never known Him before. But I know Him so much now. I'm so excited. It makes me want to give it to the next generation. That's how you can be a hero. Without ever having the title of teacher, you just are an imparter of knowledge and truth. All right, let's look at the second one. So here he is again talking to his dear son in the faith. Be strengthened in the grace. And like a teacher, you can be a hero teaching truth for future generations. The second one is like a soldier. Boy, it goes right from the teacher, safety of a classroom to the danger of a battlefield. A soldier separated from the lifestyle of the world. So how can we be a hero like a soldier? Now, it didn't say a captain, a general, a commander, or anything like that. It just said a soldier. So let's look at the verse. It says, You, therefore, as a hero... Must endure hardships. I like that phrase, therefore. So a teacher then can be like a soldier. And a soldier could be like a teacher. Must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. What a rich passage of scripture. So if you want to be a hero, then you need to know what is your responsibility in life and make sure that you are doing it. And in this case, he's reminding Timothy. you know what you are, Timothy. You are a Christian first that is called to build God's kingdom, in a sense, partner with God, build his kingdom, until he comes. And so that's his calling. So to do all of that, basically he's saying this, watch this. Don't be so distracted with the things of this life that you lose focus, drains you of energy, causes you to get discouraged or whatever else might happen, and most of all, hinders you from pleasing the one who called you, your commander-in-chief. So that's why it talks about separated from the lifestyle of this world. So you have to endure hardship as a good soldier. So you might want to underline the word good soldier, not just as a soldier. because some soldiers know how to work the system sometimes and maybe get out of some hardship. But the good soldier is the one who endures it. And he's a soldier of Christ, first and foremost. And no one engages in warfare and entangles himself with the affairs of this life. that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So let me give you three things that are not up on the screen. I wrote these down as I went through this passage and it just spoke to me. And this is what I took from this. That if I'm going to be a hero for my wife and for my kids and for you, my brothers and sisters that I love so much, number one, I have to endure hardship. Now it doesn't mean that I'm going to seek hardship. It doesn't mean that I have to go out and, 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 to, and to sleep in the cold or, or, or sleep in the rain or I've got to live my life and, and with so much asceticism I've got to beat myself down. But it does mean this, when life gives me hardship... I need to endure it. And there's two ways to endure it. One is like that old Western where they'd say, We're gonna to have to take that bullet out, so they give you a bullet and you bite on the bullet, you know, so you don't feel the pain. Some people look like they hope they live their whole life in hardship and all they do is whine and gripe and everything else. You know, if it would rain soup, all I have is a fork, you know, nothing goes right for me. That's not enduring hardship. Enduring hardship is facing this and saying, There is nothing too hard in my life that would make it harder than what Jesus Christ went through for me. As he went to the cross. If Jesus could stay on a cross of hardship. I can stay on planet earth. Enduring this hardship. And if Jesus can say. Forgive them father. For they know not what they do. Since Christ lives in me. The hope of glory. I can look upon my hardship. And say Lord. Forgive those people. That have allowed hardship. To come on me. Through criticism. Judgment. Or a loss of job. Or promotion. I can endure that hardship. But you can't get entangled. In the affairs of this life. Number two. A good soldier entangles himself not with this world, with this world. I, I have to tell you, folks, you know, you know, most of you in this church know me. I've never been to war. I've never gone to the battlefield. I'm, I do not know what it's like to walk the decks of a ship or fly in a fighter jet. I love to see them fly over. I love to see them on, on Pearl Harbor Day when they do their special uh, displays out in Pearl Harbor. I love seeing all that, but I've not been there. I do not know what it's like to have to sleep in a ditch filled with water. I don't know what it's like to hear the sound of a whizzing bullet over my head or the explosion or the scream of a fellow soldier who dies. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what that's like. But I'm not that ignorant to know that when those guys that are out there as good soldiers, they cannot be playing with their blackberries in the middle of a, of a, of a battle. They cannot be checking out to see, oh, I've got a little dust on my uniform right here. i got to get this off my fatigues. You don't see that. Those guys are enduring everything they can so that we can meet openly and publicly today without the threat of any persecution or terrorism hitting our church. They're enduring hardship as a good soldier. They're not entangling themselves in the affairs of this life. And frankly, folks, if they do get entangled with too much other distraction, most anything, it will cause them to jeopardize their own safety and life and often the safety and life of their fellow comrades in battle. I'm thinking about those of you that like to go skin diving, scuba diving. And you might get yourself caught up in a a reef or get caught up in some of the the tentacles of of some of the seaweed and what that could do to drag you down. And you know how dangerous that is. How many young men who surf pipeline that died not so much because they hit the coral reef, it's because when they did, they got tangled under the coral reef. And it took days for the ocean safety people to find the dead body because they got entangled in that stuff. And so we who are heroes that want to be a hero, some of us need to start cutting off some of the entanglements that we have with this world. It's not so much that it is bad. That's not the issue. The issue is is that it's not good in helping us to be a good soldier and to please Him. Now, if you're waiting for me to tell you what you need to get out of your life and not get entangled with, I'm not going to do that. I have too much confidence in the Holy Spirit to be telling you even right now what you know is too much for you in the use of your time or money or involvement. And I believe God is, and I'm going to trust and pray for you, and you pray for me, that we are very sensitive to that, that we won't get entangled. But remember, the reason he said this is because perhaps Timothy had a propensity to get entangled, which maybe mean that we could have a propensity to get tangled up with the affairs of this life, and we need to be very careful. And some of you moms and dads, we're pretty strong because we're in the control seat. We have the remote of life around us, but some of our kids don't. And some of us in our desire for the best for our kids, we actually throw them into entanglement. Thinking that when they're out there doing that stuff, it is good for them. But our question is, is that entangling them from not being all that God wants them to be for God? I don't know. Just you and God sort that out. And finally, to enjoy pleasing a higher authority. Our whole purpose is not just so I don't get entangled. It's not about me. It's all about God. And I want to please Him. So we have a teacher. We have a soldier. Now we have an athlete. So he says, if you want to be a hero, be like an athlete. Also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not a crown unless he competes according to the rules. So you have to strive according to the regulations. And I'm so glad it says that. Now, some of you might hear legalism in there, and I'm not talking about that. When you hear rules and regulations, you, you, you probably are saying, but I don't hear relationship. Well, we've talked enough about relationship. You and I know that. We're talking about intimacy with God. But even in a relationship, there are still some guidelines. There's still some things that may not even be written, but you know. I have a great relationship with Carol. I mean, it doesn't mean that that, uh, we don't growl at each other once in a while. We all do. We're all normal. We're all wrapped in flesh. But we have a great relationship. But there are certain guidelines and policies that we have around the house. One is, I mow the yard, okay? Now that's no big deal. She's hard for her to start this thing. It was an old lawnmower that was left at the house when we bought the house. So I've got to start that thing. Is that a rule or regulation? She does the housework, I do the mowing. No, it's just the way it works out because I love her. So, even with relationships and regulations with the Lord, we do it because, of, because we love Him. And so, what God does is He gives us, we could call them commands, we could call them principles, we could call them guidelines. The problem with guidelines and principles and, and, and some of that stuff is it becomes almost so soft that we say, Ah, eh, it's no big deal if we don't do it. I'm going to tell you that it is a big deal if we don't do this. Yes, it's a guideline. And we don't want to be put under any man's legalism. But at the same time, when God says to do it, if we don't do it, it's disobedience and he says that over and over in Scripture. So I'm so glad that as an athlete, I can follow the guidelines. Now watch carefully. An athlete's got to do things two different ways correctly. When he prepares for the competitive event, he has to prepare properly. How many of you watched your baseball heroes go down in steroid flames? It had nothing to do with them playing the game, it had everything to do for them preparing to play the game through the steroids. We can go through all different types of sports and, and things like that. It's preparing, they weren't prepared properly, they broke the rules. And then you have those while you're actually playing the rules. If you you play tennis, they've got boundaries. Why do you think some of these tennis players, they get so upset because they don't really believe they stepped on the line or they didn't think the other person hit the ball in the line, out of the line. There's lines, there's guidelines. And God says there is something that we have to do. And what is it? Well, listen, listen. The reason he does it is not to take away the fun of life. He does it so it'll enhance the fun and enjoyment, we might say, out of life when we know with a clear conscience we play properly. Strives according to regulations. And then finally, a farmer. I think it's neat because teacher doesn't have to have an official title. Soldier, well, maybe, but it gives you the idea of not getting entangled. Got the athlete. All of us will play some kind of a game, whether it's a table game or you're out on the field. And then number four, a farmer. He struggles hard. This one was kind of unusual. Talks about the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crop. I think of a hard-working farmer. In fact, the word "hardworking" in the Greek means "toil to the point of weariness or exhaustion. It means you are so tired from doing physical, emotional work that when you put your head on the pillow at night, you, you, you fall asleep. Just like that. Hardworking. How many of you have experienced some days that when you go to let me do it this way that you have fallen asleep in front of the television, would you raise your hand? How many of you have fallen asleep reading your Bible? Okay. How many have fallen asleep listening to my message? <laughs> okay. How many have fallen asleep perhaps when you really didn't want to but your body was just screaming fatigue, fatigue. You just had a, a hard day, a hard week and you just, you're just going to conk out. That's what this word means. But as a hero now, some people are really lazy. How many of you know someone who really isn't pulling their weight? They really aren't stepping up to the plate. You're doing the heavy lifting. And you know they could. It's not that they're weak or ignorant or or or, 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 um, they they don't have the emotional ability or the skill set. They just aren't doing it. They're just waiting to be asked. And then when they do, they kind of hurt sports the thing. How many of you know someone like that? Raise your hand. Good. Look at those hands. Now, if you do me a favor, point to the person. No, don't do that. Don't do that. But my point is that God requires us that there has to be an element of hard work. Now, I want to bring this to a close by helping you think about this. When you're a teacher... One of the greatest rewards of a teacher is this. I guess because I do preach, teach. What excites me the most, I'd love to have crowds, who wouldn't? The purpose is more people, more lives changed with the truth. But what really excites me is when someone gets that truth and the light bulb comes on and you can see it. Remember I said I'd do two illustrations from lifeguards? had another guy. We're seated there. My office is just packed with guys. Another guy was sitting over here. And he was saying this, he says, you know what really gets me excited? We're talking about leadership and passing the baton and teaching others. He says, when I'm working with my kids, he says, I'm talking to them, I'm teaching them, I'm sharing this stuff. And all of a sudden, the kid gets it. And I'm going I'm to do what that, kid, that guy in the, in the lifeguard did. He said, and my kid gets it. I get so excited. And I say, all right, you know. I thought that was so neat. And I thought, there is a snapshot Of what is exciting to experience when you choose to know it, to impart it to others. You get excited when you see that with others. And then I thought about what's the reward, perhaps, of a soldier. What do you think a reward of a soldier might be? It's very simple. That the commander looks down and says, you did a good job. You fought bravely. You did not get entangled with the distractions of this world system. You stayed by the stuff until the battle was maybe over, not necessarily won, but you stayed with it. Can you imagine how good that soldier must feel? Why do you think there's that certain element when they get that next ranking or they get this particular medal or badge, how good that makes them feel? Then I think of the athlete. What do you think is the reward of an athlete? Well, you know what that is. It's generally the trophy, the ribbon, more money (laughs) of an athlete most of the time. That's not wrong. That's part of playing so that you would get the prize. What is of a farmer? What's the reward of a farmer? Well, he gets to share of the food first of the crop. Now we know we give of the first fruits and all that, but he he gets the, 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 the best part of it. I thought, isn't that great? Now stay with me. But there's something with a teacher. When a teacher is teaching, there's that exhilaration of a classroom full of kids. When a teacher goes into a classroom and it's loaded with kids, and they're there and they're learning and they're wanting to learn, they come in with all their books or whatever, they get excited. When you're working with your kids and you got them together and you're going over truth and they're finally getting... It's the exhilaration of the class. And then I look now back at, at, the, at the soldier... Now, the soldier isn't so much about dying and death and all that, but there is an excitement. They do all this training. They sacrifice so much. They travel so far. They want to see battle. There's an exhilaration. There's an excitement of battle. Now, that's, that's for those of you that are not soldiers, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. But you talk to those soldiers, the, the morale drops when they do all of this stuff and they don't see action of some type. I hope you understand there is that excitement to be there with fellow comrades in battle. It's exciting to be a part of that. And then, of course, what's it, what excites these wonderful athletes? It's teammates that are up there. Come on, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it! Or the roar of the crowd. But now watch this, because this is what's so cool. Paul is so neat to not just talk about all the people that will encourage you. He gives you a farmer. When I think of a farmer, a farmer is nothing more than just a, a sod buster. He does it by himself the heat of the day, out there, no crowds, the little bit of reward he gets is the food that he can take from this, but nobody helps him. It's the daily grind with a farmer. And I want to present that to you too. That sometimes you as a hero is not going to be encouraged by, the the staff won't see you, your family won't see you, your mate may not cheer you on. But I'm going to tell you when you commit yourself because you know God saw you in the field. God saw you when it was sunshine, blazing hot. God saw you break the ground, chase off the birds from getting the seed. God saw you when you started before daybreak and you ended after sunset. God saw that. And when you do that, you know that you're a hero and God can use you. A writer by the name of Farrar said this, to live well in the quiet routine of life, to fill a little space because God wills it, To go on cheerfully with a petty round of little duties. To smile for the joys of others when your heart is aching. Who does this? His work will follow him. He is one of God's heroes. So, here's your question. Who in your family right now needs you to be their hero? When do they need the hero? How can you be their hero? And finally, when you are a hero, and you will be when you apply this, you will, um, bing, right then. When you are a hero, will you give all the glory to God who made you that way? Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. This is an opportunity for you now to privately, with your heads bowed and maybe eyes closed, to reflect on this message. You've been prayed for a lot today. And the Spirit of God is wanting you to reflect on this so that you would take ownership of it. So it's not really, it is the end of a sermon, but it's not the end of a growth process for you. So where are you? Are you a little bit timid about going to your next level? That's okay, so is Timothy. But here's what you do. You receive the truth like he did when it said be strengthened continually by the grace that's found in Christ. So the grace that saved you, be strong in that, confident. You're going to heaven by faith alone, not by good deeds. You're going to be kept saved, even when you miss the mark and fail. By His grace, not by you keeping on. And that, yeah, you'll be disciplined, but it'll be done in love and mercy and grace. And it will teach you truths. And also, it's the grace that'll give you the strength to do what God commands you to do. What you ought to do. So now... Will you embrace the teacher aspect of learning truth so passionately that you're excited about it because it is true and you want to give it to the next generation that'll give it to the next generation that you want to light a fire that blazes so hot that they have that ownership to impart it to the next generation? Would you like to be like a soldier right now and let the Spirit of God remind you to? you're going to have to get rid of some of the things that you have? that are entangling you with the affairs of this life and it could be think of a soldier since he he did choose the word soldier there could it be some of your apparel could it be some of your time commitments could it be how you use your money could it be that you need to just refocus that we are in a battle it's not a battle that's coming it's a battle that's happening right now in this room at this very moment in your mind right now as I'm speaking It's a battle for righteousness, truth, God's glory. And then as an athlete, that you want to do it correctly. So you're going to go back to the book and you're going to make sure that what you do is you're living your Christian life not based on a lot of Christian writings and books that are out there. But you're basing your Christian writing on the book of books, the word of God. And then finally, as a a farmer, you know that God's going to bless you. You're going to eat the the fruit, you're going to get the best of the crops, the first of it. You have a right to that. God promises you that. So there will be results for you, but you've got to do the daily grind. It's going to be every day. It's this afternoon, being at meetings, taking care of the laundry, making sure if you didn't have a quiet time, that by tonight that you have your quiet time. Staying on top of applying what you learned yesterday at the seminar with your kids. Starts over again tomorrow morning making sure that you're spiritually prepared for the battle of the day. And the battle isn't people, it's the battle for truth, righteousness, holiness. But I'm going to tell you, you are a hero in Christ as He fills you and changes you. Now next week we're going to cover just three. And I hope that this will continue all of us, on this wonderful progress to be the hero that God wants us to be. Now for those of you that might be listening to me on tape or perhaps radio i want to make sure that you are understanding that the bible says for by grace are you saved from hell through faith in christ alone that going to heaven by grace is not of works not of yourselves so you can't even brag about it when you get there because we don't deserve to get there by our deeds and that you by grace would now say lord i'm a sinner And I am now fully depending upon Jesus Christ as the Lord who died again. I believe your death and resurrection and I'm trusting in you. My friend, that's your first step towards true biblical heroism. Is there anyone here perhaps that have been with us a long time that have not yet trusted Christ but you're saying, yes, I'm ready now. I've been putting this off. I know it. Today is my birthday in Christ. I am now wanting you to know, Pastor, by my hand being uplifted, that today I've trusted Christ as my forever Savior. Would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone that would indicate by an uplifted hand that you're trusting Christ? When you do that, I'm just going to say, God bless you. I'm not going to have an altar call or anything like that, but I just want to know if you're trusting Christ. Never done it before. You're doing it now. Put it up. Put it down. Okay, Christians, let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for what we've learned today. And I thank you for the the wonderful love that Paul had for Timothy. To help him to understand that even in his personality of perhaps fearfulness, that he could still be a hero. And that all these traits that you would want to have in our life, they're all found in Christ. And if we allow you to live those traits out through us, it'll happen. So we want to be strengthened by your grace, not by our self-determination. And so, Lord, help us to be like that teacher Parting truth to the next generation. And that we would be like that soldier not entangling ourselves with the lifestyle of this world. And that we'd be like the athlete that will compete according to the regulations. And that we would also be very much like that farmer. Who will be blessed and received if they stay true to the word of hard work. Staying by the stuff. Doing what we should. And Father bless these wonderful dear people here. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible.